Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to the After Hours. I am joined by a man who can control time, but is perpetually late. Brian, what's up? That one is true. Did I ever tell you about my friend who invited me over for like a dinner party kind of thing? Yeah, you said I'll be there in a minute or maybe yesterday. (laughs) Time management isn't my forte. (laughs) She told me and her dad out of like the 15 people that were going to be there. She told us that it was an hour before it actually was (laughs) to make sure both of us would be there on time. And both of us actually showed up at the time she told us. So me and her dad were just like sitting there. For like two hours. Kitchen table, like drinking a couple beers, and like, so, how's your life? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, for an hour. How about them Cardinals? Yeah, show up and she's not prepared. Like, you know, doesn't have makeup on. There's no food. Right. Yeah, she was running around and like, like I still got to run to the store. It's like, what? What? What are you doing here? It's like you told. You never show up on time. Well, you're making changes for the positive, Ryan. I'm wearing a watch. Like an actual watch. I've been much better. Tell them what they need to know. If you guys want to help us out, the best thing you can do is to share the show with somebody you know. Well, even with people you don't know. You can just tell Mm -hmm. people on the street. Although, be careful who you tell. (laughs) The best way for the show to spread is by word of mouth. I mean... You're probably going to watch the movies that I've recommended as opposed to just whatever Google or Apple or your social media platforms recommend. Uh, But if you want to help us spread that way, you can do that by interacting with the show in whatever way you can, hopefully positively on your podcasting platform of choice. You can check out what we're selling in Jay's uh, fabulous collection at (laughs) CrypticPodcastStore.com. And you can let us know what you think at CryptiquePodcast at gmail.com. Perfect. What are we talking about tonight? We are talking about a murder case from 1977, which shook the city of Chicago to its core. All the way to the core. Mm -hmm. Not just the outside of the core, the inner core. The inner core. The center core. (laughs) That's how deep it goes. The victim... The victim, Teresita Bassa, a dedicated healthcare worker employed as a respiratory therapist at Edgewater Hospital, met a gruesome end. Her lifeless body was discovered in her 15th floor apartment. Stripped of clothing, brutally stabbed in the chest with a butcher's knife, and placed under a blazing mattress. So before we, before we move on, I want to talk a little bit about that. This person put a mattress over her dead body and lit the mattress on fire thinking that it would like cremate the body, which is obviously ridiculous, but we're talking the 15th floor. How many people could have died in an apartment fire in a high rise apartment building like that? I mean, I know they have the firewalls and stuff, but this guy could have killed hundreds of people. Yeah, definitely. The investigation that followed left Chicago police puzzled and grasping for answers. Teresita was described as a soft-spoken, well-educated music enthusiast who had emigrated from the Philippines more than 10 years prior to her tragic demise. Despite diligent questioning of her family and friends, law enforcement officials were unable to unearth any substantial leads regarding who might have harbored ill intentions towards her. 
Among the scant clues was a cryptic diary entry stating, Get tickets for A.S. As the investigation stretched on for six long months, it appeared that the murder might remain unsolved indefinitely. However, a peculiar tip soon emerged, injecting new life into the stagnant case. Dr. Jose Chua, a surgeon, stepped forward with an astonishing claim that his wife, Remy, also employed as a respiratory therapist at Edgewater Hospital, had experienced episodes of being possessed by none other than Teresita Bassa herself. According to Dr. Chua, during these episodes, Remy would enter a trance-like state, conversing fluently in Tagalog, Bassa's native tongue, a language she rarely used in her everyday life. These alleged possessions by Teresita added an eerie and mystifying twist to an already baffling murder investigation. Doctor, I would like to ask for your help were her first words. The man who murdered me is still at large. Dr. Chua didn't know what to think. I was really surprised and scared when I asked her name and she answered, I am Teresita Bassa, he later told a pre-trial hearing. But she told me I had nothing to be scared of. She was really pleading for me to help solve her murder. Dr. Chua went on to reveal that during the instances where Teresita Bassa allegedly possessed his wife, Remy made a shocking claim. She asserted that her own murder had been orchestrated by a man named Alan Showery. Yep. According to Remy's accounts, Showery had initially entered her apartment under the guise of repairing her television set, but ultimately turned on her, brutally stabbing her, and making off with her valuable jewelry. But did the police take them seriously? Find out after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Before we go on to that, I just want to say that uh, this guy, Alan Showery, was somebody who did odd jobs for her. And apparently she paid him really, really well, like super overpaid. And, you know, he had done a bunch of things. So it, it was somebody that she knew that she let in and basically as soon as she closed the door and locked it, he murdered her. But as far as the detectives taking it seriously, detectives Joseph Statula and Lee Eplin somewhat surprisingly took the Chua's assertions seriously. Their decision was influenced not only by the uncanny coincidence of Alan Showery sharing the same initials as those found in Boss's diary, A.S., but there was more to the story that intrigued them. The detectives were now on a path that led them deeper into the heart of this case, where the boundaries between the tangible and the inexplicable began to blur. I talked to pimps, prostitutes, drug addicts in the Belmont area, Detective Statula said in the book Mysterious Chicago by Adam Selzer. Dr. and Mrs. Chua are educated, intelligent people who live in a $90,000 house, a distinct change for me. I wanted information on this murder. I listened and acted on what they told me. It turned out that Alan Showery had a significant connection to both Dr. Chua and Teresita Bassa. Showery was employed as a respiratory technician at the same hospital where Chua 
and Basa worked as respiratory therapists. However, Shaori's financial situation had taken a dire turn, and in her kindness, Basa had been providing him with generous compensation for performing various small tasks. Upon receiving this crucial information, Detective Statula and Eplin wasted no time and promptly visited Shaori's apartment, which he shared with his pregnant partner, Yanka Kalmuk. Their search bore fruit when they discovered Kalmuk in possession of a pearl ring and a jade pendant that had once belonged to Teresita Basa. In response to their inquiries, Kalmuk claimed that Shaori had given her the jewelry as a belated Christmas present. Initially, Alan Shaori denied any involvement in Basa's murder, and we should point out that if a man is giving you gifts, like if you go to a jewelry store, they give you a box. Just saying. So if somebody's coming with like a dirty diamond ring that's like got some, you know, hasn't been cleaned in a while or something, he's a serial killer. After being taken to the police station, Showery signed a confession in which he admitted to visiting Basa's residence, assaulting her, stealing her jewelry, and setting fire to her apartment before making his escape. But, in a surprising twist, Showery later retracted his confession, alleging that the police had coerced him into admitting guilt by threatening to arrest his pregnant partner. His lawyer, William Swano, vehemently argued for the dismissal of the murder charge, contending that Chowry had been arrested solely based on the unusual accounts provided by the Chuas, which lacked concrete evidence to support his guilt. So that's interesting, Ryan. What do you think? Uh, you need a search warrant, right? But can you get a search warrant from something like that? Not Typically, not in modern times anyway, maybe during the witch trials. Really odd, but there's more to this. Never, to my knowledge, has a man been arrested because of a supernatural vision, Swano said. Police have never before been informed of a criminal's name by a voice from the grave. But the judge decided the trial should go ahead. It's not like we're going to cross-examine the voice or anything of that nature, a spokesperson for the prosecutor's office told the Washington Post. We're really not interested in the supernatural aspect of this trial. The voice was an initial tip, but the evidence was developed independently. The trial of Alan Showery garnered substantial media attention with headlines echoing the eerie question. You want to take over? (laughs) Because you want me to say, did a voice from the grave finger the murder suspect? (laughs) By the way, I looked that up. Uh, In 1977, that amount of money would be a a little less than half a million today. For the house? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so yes, they were well off. The the, uh, doctor was a a surgeon. So, it's not, I mean, it's not even like he just had a practice. He was doing quite well. All right. Ultimately, the trial concluded in a mistrial as the jury remained deadlocked and unable to reach a verdict. However, the story took an unexpected turn when a month later, and awaiting a new trial, Showery abruptly changed his plea to guilty. So I guess kind of, well, it wasn't his plea, it was his confession before, but he's flip-flopped again. Yeah. He was subsequently sentenced to 14 years in prison for charges related to murder, robbery, and arson. 
The central question that lingers is whether a supernatural force played a role in sending a man to jail or if there might be a more conventional explanation. Mm. It's worth noting that Remy Chua and Alan Showery worked together at the hospital, which raises the possibility that Chua might have discovered something incriminating about Showery through their workplace interactions. Moreover, there are indications that Chua may have held a grudge against Showery, possibly stemming from reported complaints about the quality of her work. According to accounts from Mysterious Chicago, Showery's defense during the trial attempted to shift the focus onto Remy Chua, suggesting that she might have been the actual perpetrator. Their theory posited that Chua had sold Showery the stolen jewelry, explaining why his partner was in possession of it, and then concocted the possession narrative after losing her job at the hospital. It is important, however, to note that Chua was never considered a formal suspect by the authorities. The Chua's later chronicled their experiences in a book titled A Voice from the Grave, co-authored with their friend Carol Mercado. Incentives. Yeah. Dr. Chua commented, All of us want to believe in life after death, suggesting the profound impact of the case on their beliefs and outlook. The intrigue surrounding the case extended beyond the courtroom as it became the subject of an episode of the popular television series Unsolved Mysteries. It <laughs> was subsequently adapted into a television movie titled a Voice from the Grave in 1996. Man, that Unsolved Mysteries, that makes me want to go to bed when I hear that. Because <laughs> I remember that being on when I was a kid and it's like, oh, it's it must be kind of late. Maybe yeah. I got school in the morning. Over time, life seemed to return to normal for both Dr. Chua and Alan Showery with Showery's release from prison in 1983, just six years after the tragic murder and his subsequent quiet life. Yeah, so he's gone on. Yeah, to just live a normal life, I guess. But we'll have some final thoughts for you after a quick break. Keepers. So, I'm thinking of another reference. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen the TV show Psych? Uh, I might have seen it once or twice. I don't know. It. I don't remember anybody else's name. There's Dule Hill, who was in West Wing. Most people are probably going to know him from that. He plays like the best friend to the main character, Sean. And then Sean's dad is played by Corbin Burnson mm-hmm. from Dallas. And L.A. Law. If anybody remembers that. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> the goofy premise of the show is Sean. Sean's dad was a detective and taught him a lot about being a detective as a kid. So it's like ingrained in him. And he notices all these things. Very Sherlock Holmes-ish. Right. But for some reason, he doesn't want to be a cop and he doesn't want to tell them like he doesn't want to like slow down to be like, this is how I know. So mm-hmm. he just pretends that he's psychic. <laughs> gotcha. He's just like, oh, I have a, you know, they he gets like a psychic reading on people by just noticing stuff around the room. Science. That's what I was thinking of with the whole like, well, maybe she did it and then concocted this whole explanation as to. You know what really happened it's interesting I, I don't know their religious beliefs 
I do know that Catholicism is big in the Philippines, you know, like it is everywhere, but especially in the Philippines. Yeah. My stepmom is from the Philippines and her whole family and everybody she talks about is Catholic. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of different cultures there, but. Yeah, it's either Catholicism or Church of Christ or something like that. I There was a girl I knew in college who was from the Philippines and she even, you know, I, I tried to get her to teach me a little of the language. She's like, why would you want to know that? It's like, why not? Yeah, I think yeah. there's like 50 languages they speak. It's it's pretty crazy, or at least dialects. That is an interesting twist for me because mm-hmm. it's totally possible. Yeah. I really doubt it, and I unlikely, but it could happen. And yeah. we're about coulds. I don't know. I mean, I think the dude did it. Uh, I do, but it's interesting that people saw that other excuse or or whatever, and it's like, wow, it, I mean, there's not really any holes in that story either, except for the guy, you know, yeah, did it and admitted to it. But yeah, it's, yeah. It's apart from if he had maintained his innocence, probably the best defense he could have had. Now we're just going from the information that we presented, not what was actually in the trial. Mm-hmm. would probably be that if he was paid so well, why why kill the goose that laid the golden egg? True. Why not just keep fixing the TV for, or at worst, like purposely, you know, well, I'm just going to fix this pipe with like duct tape so it's going to break again in a week. Yeah. Yeah. And we can, we can wrap this up pretty quick here um i was just gonna say there's no real history or behavior afterward for this showery guy either and it could be that he looked at it and he's like i'm fucked i'll take the 14 Mm. years fine you know 14 years for murder and arson that's a that's a really soft sentence and he ended up getting out probably closer to doing like five years i guess he could have been in custody while he was awaiting trial too we're not clear on that but uh, yeah i think generally you would be but so yeah one way or the other it's a crazy story if this woman did it that's crazy i mean that's an an insane story that she made this up and then now they've got a book and a, a movie but it's also crazy her really if she really did get possessed so i don't know it's a cool story i thought it was really neat yeah it is a cool story i like stuff like that i like i mean it's very much like that video game murdered that i talked about before <laughs> uh as you hear the dog stampeding upstairs because kim just got home <laughs> we can leave this in we can sure. let people know what chaos we deal with while we're trying to record this sure but yeah, I might have to check out that movie. I would check out the Unsolved Mysteries first. You got a lot going on. You can find us on all your favorite social media, and that will all be in the show notes. We hope you enjoyed the story. Let us know what you think at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out the Nightcrawler collection, which is live at crypticpodcaststore.com. Remember, If you're going to commit a crime, make sure 
that that person can't come back and possess somebody and rat you out. Yep. Common oversight. <laughs> yeah, you got to cover all your bases, right? Yeah. Gloves, totally. shovel, some sort of Latin Exorcist. spell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Well, that's all we've got for you tonight on Cryptique. Good evening, Crypt Keepers.